0: Division was Isaac Fashman. What is going on everybody, Isaac Mashman here and welcome back for another episode of Chase the Vision with Isaac Mashman, the show that is all about helping you become a more capable individual through sharing my experiences and knowledge in business, life, and personal growth, while also having conversations with people who are here to share their own experiences and knowledge in their respective fields. Now today, I have a good friend of mine he is a previous client of mine. He's somebody who I've been working with hands on. And after hearing his story and getting to know him a little bit better and just looking at his credentials, I'm like, man, I need to bring you onto the show to share you know, your story. And I don't think he's ever been on a podcast before. So I'm grateful to say that I'm another person's first in this regard, uh, because I've been having that a lot lately inviting some really awesome people to get their stories out there. And I have none the other than Brian Green out of Newport Beach, California. Brian, what's going on, brother? Hey, Isaac. Yeah, you're my first, man. Thanks for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. So, man, I mean, we could go in a million different directions of conversation, but um, being that you're just now making the splash in the world of, of personal brand and getting yourself out there, I mean, you have all the success on the back end, been building a successful training facility as a personal trainer and as somebody who's an owner and a business owner and entrepreneur. Um, but now it's like, yo, know, it's time to get my message out there. It's time to get my, you know, story out there. And so, can you tell, you know, the people who are listening to Chase Division a little bit about you and where you're from and um, how you came up?
1: All right, well, I actually originally from New Jersey, moved out to Lake Tahoe when I was eight years old. And my parents put me on skis and I never stopped from there. Competed in alpine racing, competed in freestyle. And actually was like, but I wasn't actually affording the place that I lived because I was that kid that worked at a gas station while we're living a bunch of millionaires next door. So while doing that, worked at a gas station and just competed with soccer and skiing, but skiing was my main thing. 18 years old, I jumped off a cliff for a Warren Miller film. Didn't really make the film, but I did make Breaking My Back. Didn't know it. Totally destroyed my career. Had to get full reconstructive hip surgery. And from there, I started to rebuild and said, hey, I have to get back to school because I'm going to get kicked out of it. I need to rehab as fast as I possibly can. So I started studying fitness, working out. Kinesiology was one of my college degrees. So I said, hey, it's all is intertwined. Let me Let me do what I know how to do, which is... Work out, play sports, get better again. And then all of a sudden, I became a personal trainer, which I never, ever, ever thought I was going to be. Actually, my main goal for moving out to Southern California was acting, but never, ever really, really thought that I would get into fitness. Just happened to do it. And there it was. Worked at a bunch of gyms. Got over the gym scene. Opened up my own uh, business, my very first one when I was 25 years old. Then opened up to a facility. They moved and open it to a larger facility and now i'm in even a larger facility in newport beach california
0: man it's it's really cool and and before we jump into the look fitness don't be afraid to name drop the company man like you're out right, we'll just... if you're wa- yeah yeah if you're watching the video you see that he's wearing the logo i absolutely love the logo of the, of the facility yeah i love that man i need one of those shirts and one of those hats i need to talk to you about that but back when you first got this injury and you're laying in the hospital bed and you go from being the super active young guy who's competing and who's like man like fitness is you know, you're very, very important, you're not able to compete unless you're in top physical condition. And then you're just becoming bedridden, right? You're, you're mm-hmm. just kind of there. And then you have some bad news from the doctor. And if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, the doctors are like, the chances of you recovering this quick are slim to none. Yet you're over here, listening to videos and, and, you know, really educating yourself without external help. Can you talk to us about like, how were you feeling when you were in that bed? And then what were some of the things that the doctors told you that you're kind of just like, nah, I'm not I'm not associated with that. I'm not going to believe what you're saying. Oh, it's. well, I won't forget the day I got the phone call from the doctor. I went to like 12 different doctors.
1: First off, I went after like chiropractors, foot doctors, you know, podiatrists giving me Mm -hmm. 5,000 orthotics and just trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And I said, I screw it, went to the US key team orthopedist surgeon. he's like, you broke your back. Like, wait, what? He goes, yeah, you broke your back, which is fine now but you need full reconstructive hip surgery now. Like, no, I can put it off, I got school. He's like, no, you gotta do it now. So hearing that, like, dude, I'm gonna get kicked out of school. Like literally I busted my butt to get in this program and now I'm gonna get kicked out? You gotta be kidding me. All right, well, how long is the recovery? Six to eight months. Well, six, eight months, dude, I gotta be back in two. He's like, you're not getting back in two. He's like, you're going to be in a wheelchair. And 2 that'll be great. Push yourself around, but you have to do your rehab. So that's why I started studying. I'm like, dude, there's no way. I'm like, okay, well, when can I ski again? Yeah, that's not happening either, dude. You're, you have no disc between your T12 and L1, which is lumbar arch. It's like literally right where your thoracic and your lumbar meet. It literally is one. So if you ever watch me bend over, you will see that my back does this. Hmm. It's, it doesn't do this. It literally, I'm like a drawbridge. So it's, it's either I'm up or I'm laying down. That's it. But I sat there. I'm just like, first, I am going to ski again. There's no possible way. So if I ever want to go back to compete or coach, I will. Second, I do have to get back to school. I already busted my butt as a transfer student to get into this program. And there's just no way I'm going to get kicked out. So I got all the permission from my teachers. They're like, yep, you have to jury early, which is like an audition. Jury early. And yeah, get back here in two months. If you're not, then you know we're sorry, but um, reapply uh, maybe in the future. Which was mm-hmm. pretty much you're out, you're out, you're not getting back in. Like you're a, you start off with two thousand students, they break it down to fifteen hundred, then it's down to 60 30 and they like graduate twelve people with that BFA.
0: So it's like, right. you can't be
1: Well, we were so talking about. Oh no, yeah, I,
0: was I was just going. I was. Down. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that when you're in competition, like a comp- competitive program like that, you can't expect empathy to go all the way to the end. You know, they have to be understanding, but to a degree, yeah. it's like getting into Harvard. Like if you're out of the school for a year, like you're naturally going to be back and it's not fair to the other people who are part of that program. Correct. So man, that, that makes a, a ton of sense. Yeah.
1: So, and I understood it. I mean, it was very con- you know, competitive, which
0: was pretty much my
1: life. I mean, so I'm like, okay, bring it. It's a competition. Again, it was a a doctor said that, no, you can't do it. So now you're giving me a little edge, a little attitude of can't tell me what to do. No way. So that's why I sat there and I started studying like all these rehab techniques of how I was going to do my therapy. I brought it up to physical therapist who was doing my rehab. He did a lot of US ski teams and professional bull riding because bull riding in Reno, Nevada is huge. And so like, you know, hey, why not? You know, the funny enough is three other people are getting your surgery at the same time. Let's see how it works. So I literally, every kind of physical therapy I did with them, my foot was like on a racquetball. I had like more stability because of all the studies I did. And it was just different. And when I walked out of there two months afterwards, I was on a cane. And the guy who's a professional bull rider, who was the same age as me, same surgery date, everything, he was still on both crutches. So it was hmm. pretty awesome to see he was like crutching around and I was caning it.
0: Why so didn't it you... Awesome. So, so it was kind of that like rebellious nature that you had that i think maybe fueled you for it and a little bit of like an fu energy of like you told me no so i'm going to do it anyway and i'm going to make you look like an idiot did you ever see that doctor again it was like by the way remember when you told me that well guess what did you ever have a, like yes. an, an encounter with him how was that oh i was
1: uh, the, I broke up a little bit
0: no like did you ever encounter that doctor again and you were like remember when you told me that it would take you know maybe six to eight months and i did it in two did you ever have an encounter with him again? no
1: i wish i did
0: Do oh, the doctor who did my
1: surgeries from germany like okay. this is actually how it was hip surgeries now my dad got both his hips replaced he was up walking the next day mm. i mean it's so far advanced this was in 2002 when i got, got it done and It's still my hip. It's still my ball joint. It's still my cartilage. This was totally brand new surgery. Before, they would just chop it off, put a new ball in. That was it. But I I mean, I was 22 years old. They're like, you need to keep your hip. Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't do this now, you're going to get a fake hip. That thing is going to have so many problems, which you probably see that all over TV of, have you had this hip replacement? You could get a settlement. Da, 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 da. It's because they were just so abnormal, and they're putting metal in you. And they're just gonna have that complication. The more foreign things are in your body, especially metal, titanium. I have two screws in me, and I'm telling you, I tell you, I felt them a couple of times. It's creepy. Mm. But they wanted me to keep me. But yeah, I never saw him. He's from Germany. He went in. He flew in uh, to the special hospital, and then he
0: flew out. That was it. Poof. Got it. Got it. You you did that television advertiser voice a little bit too well. <laughs> you did that. You did that a little bit too well. There so- you go. That's the BFA in acting that paid off right that that experience getting out and recovering through therapy also helped you like a decade later like a decade and a half later because if i'm not mistaken you've also had a client of yours a previous client who's like your number one testimonial who mm-hmm. came in it wasn't he paralyzed i don't remember the exact thing it might have been als but now he pretty much is up and walking and is doing good too like talk about that experience learning yourself and being self-taught to helping somebody else down the line that's great so it was less than the paralysis got it So, uh one of the doctors i trained
1: he is a muscle skeletal doctor 42 years old spent the night in the backyard of his house in fullerton california with his daughter like camping just like hey let's set up the tent and have fun in the backyard and make s'mores there you go he woke up the next day and it was like malaria like um sickness they could not figure it out and then he was about to come out of the hospital about two days later and then everything started shutting down. He has got the worst West Nile paralysis case in the world so far. I mean, he couldn't even blink. And he was in ICU for seven months, came out. Um, I, him and I, his wife and I went way back. at trained her since college because she's a professor at Cal State Fullerton. And he comes in and no joke, he'd like, he rolled in like Stephen Hawking. Um, pushed in. It was amazing for me to see this because it was the first time I saw him. And he literally said, um, hey, I think I've reached my peak with physical therapy. You taught yourself how to walk again. What would you do? Like you have an athletic background, you professional sports. What would you do? Like you're educated. And normally, by the way, doctors don't go to personal trainers. Physical therapists don't go to personal trainers. The education only goes as far as a three-hour cert. And maybe they'll have, like, a couple workshops. But it's very rare for a doctor, a physical therapist, to have a personal trainer. So mm-hmm. I literally looked at him and I said, you're a baby. We're going to throw you on the ground. And you're going to crawl. And you're going to wiggle. And you're going to get up to your knees. And then you're going to get up to your elbows. And then you're going to get up. That's the only way. He literally just sat. he goes, why was that the only thing i've ever made sense <clears throat> out of all my therapy nobody said that idea And am it's the only thing that was clear to me he goes it's so stupid it makes sense and that's what we did i mean there was a lot of stuff we had to do from the chair which is probably what he was doing from i mean pushing against me building it up but i mean paralysis is neurological damage and he had it it's his nerves are firing and they're building more and more each day but um how much he gets back. We have no idea, but he's standing and walking now.
0: Wow. It's kind it's of the same thing. Recovery. Yeah. It's, well, it's similar to like a stroke. You know, <laughs> if you have a stroke, then you're literally losing the nerves and the stuff like that. And you have to rebuild it. I mean, I've known multiple people who have strokes that couldn't walk that couldn't really speak that have been, you know, steadily like my grandfather had a stroke when I was, I think I was like four, it was like 2004. And, um, over the years, he recovered not, but still it wasn't to his full recovery because, That affects you on such a deep level and so man that's a a fantastic you know story and just the human brain is a lot more powerful than we give credit to Mm -hmm. like give give it credit and um i think that's a big issue and i I know of of different artists too who have been in car accidents who were paralyzed that had to get up and get up and get out and it's really just about mastering yourself mastering your emotions and having that attitude so you didn't have that attitude i believe that attitude and emotion is extremely important and what was your attitude going and working with not only him, but even going back to when you were learning to recover yourself? Did you have, like, a forward-thinking attitude of, like, I can do this? Or did you have moments where you were saying, man, I'm, this is worthless? Like, what was, right. like, let, let's get into your emotional, emotional oh. state. Well,
1: one, to be quite honest, I was scared to death because I never make any promises anyway. It's like someone says, well, I want to lose weight. I can give you what I think will happen, but I can't make any promises because I can't control different atmospheres. His is definitely an atmosphere even doctors can't figure out. Mm-hmm. So I can't make any promises. I told him like I just do stuff that makes sense to me, and as he'll like he'll testify, everything we've ever done made sense. Uh, but I mean, I researched and researched and researched. I practiced. I did it on myself like if I was him. I mean, that was the key component. I had to pretend I was him. Like, how many times do we pretend like we're a baby? Wow. Like look how kids get, I mean, do we ever reenact how we learn how to walk or crawl? We wouldn't have to. So we would never even fathom it as an adult. So I literally put myself, I'm like, hey, we have to, we have to get back into that mindset and not being, not only the mindset, but the physical inability of actually being on the ground And not being able to get up and not having the power to do it not only is it going to be physical but it's going to be mental i mean so we had to go into the great thing is he would fall on his face probably at least 20 times an hour and would laugh and i call him captain dubious because every time we would have him do something he would say i don't know i'm dubious and every time it was kind of like a keyword is it's going to happen he's going to do it i mean even to the point where we got him where he was walking We had also never got him to the point where he got up on his own until the day he was actually waiting for his wife at the library at the university. And again, this is someone who doesn't have control of his nerves yet muscles. He's finally getting them reintroduced to mind and body, connecting that mind muscle connection. And yet he won't fatigue like you and me. We know when we're getting tired, we can feel it. Like I'm getting exhausted. When you have nerve damage, you do not get that tired feeling. You just Drop. So he was at the library and it's a Saturday or Sunday and he <laughs> dropped right there. Legs gave out and just sat there. And I just laughed. I'm like, you just sat there? Like people were walking by, didn't see this. They're just, are ah, sitting there. He's like, no, I just backed myself against the wall and said, How the hell am I gonna get up? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how did you get up? And he's like, Well, finally somebody walked by, asked them if they could grab a chair. And that's how he would do it. He would get in the chair. I'm like, well, you just figured out our next active exercise. Wow. Get up off the ground. And so we practice it. I'm like, how would you get off the ground? You and I know how we get off the ground. We go to our knees, we push up our feet, we lean on back, and there we go. But when you do not have that muscle-mind connection, you don't have the nerves firing, your process is completely thrown off. So he would actually, we started him off where, He was okay locking his legs out. So we're like, all right, we'll go into the John claude Van Dam split as much as you can. And then I got him a step and then he would crawl backwards on a step. And then we took it lower and we took it lower until he was finally on the ground. I said, here we go, do it. It's actually on the Look Fitness YouTube of when he first got up. It's amazing. I mean, he literally, you see him slowly, slowly get up but that was the only way it was. All right, go do it. It's no biomechanical exercise. That we could practice for but
0: that's how we did it. It's great. Yeah. Now, now you've been in the world of personal training for nearly two decades now. And I think that's a, a feat in of itself to be at something for so long and you're still young. You're, you're still like super, super young into this. Like, And we obviously have conversations behind the scenes about what's next for you and and whatnot, but I want to bring a little bit of attention to the Look Fitness, because what you've done with this facility is quite remarkable in the sense to where it's not like a normal open gym to where anybody can come in like a planet fitness and that was Mm -hmm. done strategically but if you were to you know guys if you're listening to this go ahead and search up the look fitness in newport beach it's look l-o-o-k like it's pretty simple um and you look into the facility look into the care that went into the interior design what amenities are offered um there's been a lot of thought into that And I know that you started out doing your own personal training business and then you were also working at different gyms and got screwed over a couple of different times and I don't want to spend too much time talking about that because it's pretty much the same everywhere across the board I think that all personal trainers are probably screwed out in a situation like that. Um, But what was it like opening up the facility and taking that leap of faith from I'm just going to be training people to leaving that position into going in and, and didn't you start going into one of your previous client's house, like his garage? And then from there, oh, yeah. it, it grew. Let's let's talk about that story.
1: Well, at that time I worked two jobs. I worked at Disneyland as a performer, which is a whole other story, but- yeah. man, what, what was I'll your suit?
0: You. Oh, no, no, before we go in, <laughs> before we go further, what was your suit that you, you wore? What what was your performance?
1: I was the Mad Hatter in the parades. and no did the commercials, the Macy's Day Parade. It was-
0: You know I told me that.
1: Oh, I was, yeah, if you want to Google that up with Leanne Rhymes, a Mad Hatter. Yep, it's, I have to say, which was one of the best experiences. I loved working there. I mean, I got to literally run around for hours bouncing on a trampoline, talking in a funny voice, playing with kids, and making their day. What, I mean, I went from going, at working at a gas station, working valet, parking people's expensive cars, ski coaching, to bouncing on a trampoline, easiest job in the face of the planet and making parents and kids laugh. Even the, the boyfriends that don't want to be there like this, like I was, well, my whole goal, dude, I'm making you laugh. Right. I am going to mess with you. Or I'm going to steal your chick as the Mad Hatter. And they would laugh. It was great. And then, I mean, I was working at personal training because personal training, I mean, even though it, it pays pretty well for like, you have to, you can have like zero education to go to personal trainer, which is sad, but it's true to, building up clientele, which takes a long time. And then, I mean, you don't have benefits. You don't have the world. I mean, it's tough. So I did that for a while. And I told him like, hey, if this personal training, if it ever becomes like serious, I'm out. There's no reason. It's kind of like Disney. It was a fun job. Mm -hmm. But if it ever got serious, I'm out. I'm done. I'm going to go become a grown up. I'm going to go work full time. Well, drama started building up at the gym. They sold it company changed, they gave and took over the administration of a bankrupt gym and decided like, let's reuse it, which is always a bad idea. That's like saying now I'm gonna take 24 hour fitness's platform too soon, Mm. too soon. They'll make it out of bankruptcy, but still taking their platform and I'm gonna reuse it again. And obviously it's not gonna work because the first one didn't work. And they were trying to reuse the same administration, the people that are running it. And they're the ones who ran to the ground and it was becoming serious where people became my, not more only my clients, but these were my friends. Like these are trusted big time business people and they wanted me to lie to make, their, you know, to make them more cash flow, Because that's what it was. I'm like, I understand what you're trying to do, but you want me to tell them they need to rebuy right now when they have 10 sessions left. So you, you want me to lie to them saying they can't get that price unless they buy now. But yes, yeah, that's a lie. I'm not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. I will not lie. Well, now we're going to call. Well, do not call my clients. You call my clients. I'm going to tell them. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to lose them. Like, well, if they know, then they know. And you told them. That's on you. I'm like, no, it's not. So I did exactly what I said. I told them. I said, hey, I will tell my clients. And I did. And each of my clients said, Brian, we only come for you now. We don't enjoy this gym anymore. Why don't you open up your own place? And I'll never forget the guy who first came up with the idea. This guy is the creator of fish bags. I did not know this until I met this guy. Fish bags, if they're sealed, either by melting it together or by epoxy, will kill saltwater fish. Obviously, people who sell fish don't want to put them in the glass because it costs too much money. So he made a bag that you could fold to transport fish in <clears> saltwater. This is genius. Like, dude, things that people come up with, it's like the coffee collar. Genius. 10 cents every time you give a coffee collar away. Yeah, I didn't know that one either. I think I learned it from a rom-com. So he said, Brian, come to my house. I have a full gym. And take all your clients with you and train them because most of your clients probably have gyms in their house. And your overhead is zero. You just lose drive time, so charge a little bit more. We're going to be making a little bit more. You make full sense, Gene. I will do that. And I did. And I transferred everything into fitness to you. That was my very first business that I opened up. And then started building. And that's when I went more to the brick and mortar. And I started renting space. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, you know what? I want more. Because personal training is great. Making great income. No responsibility for overhead except paying lease and paying uh, my rental. But I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want my own thing. I had my own vision for what I was going to do for my gym because I wanted to cater to my clientele, which happened to be business owners, founders of companies to the Laker girls, Clippers, Rams, Chargers, all these pro cheerleaders that I met while dancing at Disney. Right. And I started training them and then became more affiliated with the pro cheerleaders. So I needed to make a place that was comfortable for both people and what are both clients looking for? Place where they're not harassed, place where not bothered, place that's personable, place that cheers without the beers. Hmm. That's how the Look Fitness came up. It was all about the little things. It's not about the sauna, which by the way, going to the sauna now during COVID, come on. They were gross before COVID. You want MRSA, staff, ring, hop into that sauna where a guy goes in there without his towel on,
0: exactly. Ooh. No thing. Bingo.
1: You. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even, dude, you're just like playing Russian roulette with bacteria and much worse, much worse. So, it had to be about the little things, how to be comfortable, how to be about trainers knowing everybody's name instead of mad dogging somebody coming in that's not their client, saying hi to somebody else's client. Yeah. Because they're worth it. Having phone chargers, having espresso. Those things go 5,000 miles where a towel with eucalyptus scent on it can only go so far. You right. I mean, you can only hashtag it so many times and people will be like, okay, so we get like, it. Your, towel, your towel smells like eucalyptus.
0: That's wonderful. Great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're really talking a lot about culture and you're talking about the environment and the experience. And I, I've heard of other, um, it's not training facilities, but I, I knew of one CrossFit uh, company out of Jacksonville that had kind of a similar story where they started running stuff out of a, a garage And then it grew and then it grew and it's like, okay, this garage isn't going to work like the the homeowners association is starting to get a little pissed off. So let's go ahead and get into a facility. Now, obviously, it's not really for profit. It's more of like you donate every single month and it's not like that. Now, when it comes to the look, your prices aren't cheap and there's a reason for that. And that's the same reason why I charge $1,500 for one consultation, because it's like, I'm not looking to work with somebody where I have to try to convince you as to why $250 or $1,500 is worth my time, you work with Mm -hmm. the right people, you don't really have to do as much convincing. And you said something to where you're like, you're doing the Laker girls, you're doing the Clippers, the Dodgers, you're working with these um, people who are used to being in those situations, and are looking for the experience of something they're looking for results and experience. And that's, you you don't get that going into a $20 a month Planet Fitness. You're going to be, you know, women especially, ogled by guys because guys suck. You know, we both can agree on that. For the most part, men suck. Um, I always joke with my girlfriend about that. I'm like, I I don't like guys. I don't trust guys. Um, So going in and really determining the environment, what were some of the things that you looked for? Because I'm really big on culture and building a great culture. So what were some of the initial steps of like, an espresso machine or a purified water area or phone chargers to where you just put your phone down. Like, what? How did you get those ideas to begin with?
1: From going from gym to gym to gym to gym to gym. Uh, the phone chargers, I literally would, I'm taking full credit with my idea from the get go. Uh, I kitchen out, there was a couple things actually you can come and get here with the women is when I was training so many women, it was, hey, do you have a hair tie? I would put a hair tie on my wrist when I used to train women and I'd have a black and blue hand at the end of the day, because it was so cool to be like, there you go. Because if not, they'd funnel with their hair for the hour. You're like, Oh my God, come on. You have to do so. Come on, put your, tie your hair up, do the little top bun. Come on. So I'd have her hair tie. There you go. Boom. I mean, I even have tampons in the bathroom, hmm. just the little extra things that took it because the funny thing is, is that when people walked in, Oh my God, he's got tampons in the bathroom. Are they like freaking dirt cheap tampons. And I have no clue where my experience on tampons are. You know what? Kid you not, those things disappear at a rapid rate. And people talk about it. Hair ties. They have a hair tie. Why? Because I experienced it through so many years of training. Or, hey, do you have a place for you to plug in my phone? Especially now with all the Instagrammers. You know, everybody's an Instagram influencer. They're on their phone 5,000 hours a day. It's dead by 9 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. So they'll come in and be like, oh my gosh, you have a phone charger. It's not, I put a phone charger in before my first facility. I had two different plugs, Android and iPhone. Now everybody's got the little plate. So I got super fast charging plates. And that's one of the other things that people talk about. Now they have a plate, but their phone is charged in 30 minutes. I'm like mm-hmm. a Tesla supercharger. Now Nespresso turned out was just funny because my, one of my clients was like, gosh, you know, you have a coffee machine, Brian should get an espresso." I'm like, mm, really? Those are really expensive. Aren't they? And he's like, yeah, but worth it. And people, it's just that. Well, I go buy this $400 Nespresso Frappuccino machine. I'm like, mm. gosh, Kent. His name is Kent. Well, that's a really, really expensive machine. He goes, oh, yeah, but I, my company makes the pods for that company. I see what you did there. I, I see what you good, Good sales tactic. <laughs> he, he has paid me time and time again. I have to say that machine has paid for itself. Cause he gives me a bunch of pods. He's like, yeah, I love pots. that. Here you go. Yeah. Have some. So it's paid for it. But people come
0: in they're like, you have an espresso. That's awesome. You have phone yeah. I'd be, sold. You have- I'd be sold. Yeah. Just give me, give me an espresso, man. I'm, I'm paying you whatever amount of money you want to charge me. I'm going in.
1: Yeah. You know? it's hey, just coffee. the
0: little things. So imagine coming into a place that
1: you feel comfortable enough to make your own coffee. Right. Or like if you just say, Hey trainer, can you just go pop that one? In for-? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. You just wasted 30 seconds of my life. As it warmed up and made itself, it's just that little bit. I mean, the, the fancy flow water. When I started the flow water revolution in Southern California. I was the first one. I saw, I hunted down this machine. I saw it on that Silicon Valley show, and I'm all, I'm gonna research that thing because that thing's gonna be huge. All my doctor clients have them in their office now.
0: Mm why didn't you what was okay so some person that would be listening would think that going out of your way to purchase a 400 espresso machine which for espresso is even cheap like those machines can go oh, yeah, up to you know some of these million dollar homes in beverly hills have machines that cost fifty thousand dollars that make you every single drink under the sun now yeah. i don't know if i'd ever pay for that i'm fine with the twenty dollar coffee maker from walmart but at the same time you're making these investments back into the gym understanding that for the time being, like you're not, you're not getting paid for a hairband. You're not getting paid for putting tampons in the bathroom. But what was your thought process of like going the extra mile was actually going to be a benefit back? Well, I knew it was going to be about the little things and
1: going that extra mile. For example, I tell every single trainer, after they have a brand new client, they do a consultation. Yes, you already sold them. But see how they're doing. Hey, how are you feeling? Are you sore? You should be sore here, 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 and here. You have any hmm. questions for me? Okay, great. I'll see you Monday. Train them again. How are you doing? How you feeling? Just multi-touching every little part goes so far away because, again, it's personal training. Personal. personal. The fitness facility is personal. Be personal. So those little things, just texting of, hey, how are you? It's like that friend you haven't talked to in a while. And they say, hey, how are you? You still know you're good friends, but if you're that friend that always has to keep reaching out, how are you? How are you? You know, you're that friend that's like, dude, I'm tired of reaching out to him. Like I get nothing back.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: They're giving you something. They're giving you a lot of money to personally train. And I always tell them, like, I don't care if they have the worst day. Well, I mean, I care, but I mean, I tell the trainers, you don't care that you have the worst day. You are to come in as a Disneyland, and you're Mickey Mouse, and you'll never see Mickey Mouse not smiling. You will never know that you know Mickey Mouse's personal problems. You won't. You'll see this. With a oh boy, that's it. And if you have that professional attitude, and you always listen to that personal touch, that personal trainer, you know that client's personal issues, and you just keep them for yourself, and you never tell anybody else, and you're just there for them emotionally physically you will keep a client for years
0: right
1: it's what i wanted to tell that first gym when they said they wanted their sales gross a little bit higher so that's why i wanted to sell you more well you'll keep them longer if you just be you and that's it i mean that is how they keep in that personal touch of personal training it's what's missed a lot of personal trainers out there think it's about them checking themselves out in the mirror you know, look at my cycle, look at my Instagram mm-hmm. posts, and, you know, especially with the girls and you tell them over and over, nobody's buying your butt. Stop posting on it. Right. All you're buying right there is guys having a good time looking at your pictures.
0: Yeah. Or guys working with you just to make you feel uncomfortable. Same and thing. No, right? Which I have a
1: zero, that's my other part is I have a zero tolerance for that.
0: No, as, as you should man and, and that's the other thing let's go ahead and move into this conversation and there are a couple of different things I want to touch on. Uh, man this conversation has flown by, but you are uh, you're exactly like me in our respective fields, I am anti PR pathetic firms i'm anti you know bot bought followers and that kind of shit. You know that just by working yeah. with me. and then for you, you are 100% against all these influencers who have absolutely no credentials who are coming in here training people and doing these, you know, let's go ahead and get you to lose 40 pounds in 10 days by drinking nothing but green tea and doing apple cider detoxes. Like, t- let's have a conversation about that. And what what has been one of the worst examples you've seen of a program? Because I think that you've probably seen oh. 20.
1: Oh, there's so many. I can go on this will be hours and hours and hours of hours of hours. Guys, you, you have, have, some have coffee. all the people from the Royd cyclers. You know, they just cycle roids through and through. And they say, I'm a natty. I'm a natty. I'm a natty. I'm a natty. You're not a natty. You're eating freaking donuts and have a six pack. It's a lie. It's a lie. So you'll see these programs. Oh my gosh. It's so great. Yes. This is a great example (laughs) of this girl lives in the area. She's probably super sweet. I'm not going to throw out her name. Uh, She means well, but she posted, she posts her workouts. They're not her workouts because she does, she does strength training. To build her glutes, to build her physique, it's all heavy weights. But she'll put on the gram a hit program, which is high-end intensity interval training, of her bouncing around and her doing little bands. That girl does not That girl hits heavy weights to structure that physique. She hits heavy weights. And then she'll put on her eating program of what I eat. She's like, "Look what I do. I eat 2,700 calories a day." She doesn't eat 2,700 calories a day. That girl is in a massive caloric deficit, probably on Anavar, Winstrol, and probably on Ritalin. So it helped help her lose her appetite. And so she can keep up a little "poop, poop, be doop attitude on Instagram. That's the real. Mm. And there are so many pro... I mean, okay, I'm going to throw... I love this guy because my whole goal for me is to look like Thor. But Thor did not become Captain Kirk's dad and then become Thor three months later because he worked out with Centrifit. That dude chewed and swallowed steroids for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and ate like a Mack truck. That's how you get that way. It's the only possible way. But they'll sell these Centrifit programs and don't get you in shape. Working out in general will get you in shape. I don't care if you're running. I don't care if you're jogging. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're, you're hiking up a mountaintop. It's going to get you in shape. But for what? You're training. If you're training to get a physique, you have to train to get that physique. How does a gymnast become a gymnast? Train like a gymnast. If you want your shoulders to look like a boxer, you're going to be a boxer. Mm-hmm. Or the great power of strength training is you simulate it and you can control, and you can manipulate your body design. So
0: without being too specific on an individual's goals and keeping into mind, there's a very good possibility that we could go back under lockdown and all this other stuff over the next six months. That's just the times we live in. Um, People still need to stay in shape and that's important. So what would be a general good daily practice for somebody who's looking to maybe keep that weight off and not necessarily lose a lot of weight, just stay healthy. What would you suggest somebody do? Well, you're going to live and die by the fork and knife, plain
1: and simple. It's going to come from eating 80%. You'll hear it over and over 80% of it's going to be eating. It really will be. And figuring out your, basically your maintenance eating plan is how you're going to maintain Mm -hmm. your physique of what you want. Again, you have to eat to get to the physique that you want. To gain weight, you have to eat that way. To lose weight, you have to eat that way. All diets work. I tell every single person that walks through that door, they want a fad diet, cool, I'll give you that. But just remember, fad diets die. First three letters, die. That's what diets do. But maintenance, heating plan, you can go out and have a beer, you can have french fries once in a while, you can go out and have fun with your friends you can enjoy the super bowl and you won't gain weight because that's not your lifestyle your lifestyle is maintenance and when you yeah. want to take your body to a change you have to take it out of the environment of maintenance which is i want to bulk i want to cut it all depends what you want but it's going to live and die by eating now building and designing your muscle is going to come how you work out and how you focus and how you program design and if we go back into lockdown which i mean Holy cow, they, they keep talking about it. From having weights to having no weights, you still got to move. Your muscle skeletal structure wants to move. Your muscles want to move. Your, your spine wants to move. I mean, I'm so glad everybody watched the Tiger King 3,000 times and can quote.
0: Still have but, never seen it, thankfully. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Sadly, I did. I did. But you know what? If it wasn't for lockdown, that Tiger King show would have never made it. Never made it. But I mean, man, Netflix is probably loving life from the lockdown, but you just have to move. And if people have the excuse of, well, I don't have any weights at home, cool. You want to know the measure of strength is the ability to manipulate your own body movement. Push-ups, squats, pull-ups, inverted rows, where are just holding onto a bar and you're pulling yourself up. That's all you pretty much need. Mm-hmm. Do it as much as you can and keep going more and more and more and more. I mean, look at a marathon runner. How do you run farther? you keep running? Keep doing it. How do you get stronger? Manipulate your own body movement. That is a true measure of strength, like a gymnast. They're not hitting weights. They're throwing their body. Mm -hmm. The gymnast, pound for pound, is probably the strongest human
0: being on the planet. I've never heard that being put in that perspective before. Now, to transition out of talking just about health, and let's dive into more of a business thing. If we go to your socials, if we go to your brand and we, we dive into you, you say one, you're a lover of rom-coms, which I think is a hilarious detail to find out, which also transitions into a potential podcast that's coming in the next couple of months, not to n- release the name until we release it, but podcasts and sharing stories about some of the experiences with you know what women are telling you based off of their own life like it's i'm excited to listen to it and i'm not normally somebody who gets into that gossipy type of podcast it's it's going to be good it's going to be good so i won't talk any more about that but talking about you're working for a residually funded lifestyle what does that mean to you why is that important to you because the look fitness man like you've you've booked up your calendars you're you're working with your trainers to get them booked up but there's only so much you can do what's next Mm -hmm.
1: So next is being able to have the ability of financial freedom to like step away, to walk away, to be able to, if I want to hop on a flight to go on a trip, be able to do that. And know I'm still going to have money coming in that passive income. Mm-hmm. It's actually my main re- reason why I opened up a low fitness was because I knew being a personal trainer and independent contractor on my own and driving in LA and training the Chiva girls, like the girls that I had to be there. I had to physically be there every single day. Now I'm still young. Um, but I looked at actually these trainers that weren't. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna lose my sparkle. Well, you lose that illusion. And I can't do that. I can't be that six year old who's still training cheerleaders or business people. Because again, we also have that persona of having to do that. So I need a outlet, a route that will take care of me from something I've already done, Mm -hmm. which is that residual income, that passive income of everything I've created. That's why I need to hand off the football to all these trainers that I've built their careers off of what I've known, of what I've learned, which I wish I had when I was younger. I mean, my, my career would have been a lot farther down the road if I had me saying, do this, do that, don't listen to this. Nope, you need to go market like this. Nope, you got to do this. Mm-hmm. Nope, you don't get into that drama whatsoever. You walk away because that's going to damage your business.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even Rocky Balboa had to get out of the ring, right? If you're you're a Rocky fan. And um, I mean, he was training Creed, but even then, you know, this new Creed movie, he won't be in the movie most likely because even then he has to step out. And um, man, I know that you have a bunch of different ideas for businesses and some, some things that you're working on. But the other thing is, there's a difference between trying to flex something that you don't have or be something that you're not versus actually being that person and mm. being the person who, who owns a business who has you know hit six figures and, and you know ha- has a gym that's running to where you're not there right now and i imagine there's a trainer who might be holding a class right now or having a session it's like you have that flexibility and that's the real reason why a lot of people get into business yet they lose the they they look at the glitz and the glamour and they lose the real reason why they started which is to provide solutions which is to make the world progress forward and be a better place in whatever cheesy way you want to be you know whatever you want to say like that's a cheesy way to put it but at the end of the day that's true um Mm -hmm. and so i'm I'm definitely excited to to see that and and you're not just a, a personal trainer you know you're somebody who is really i don't know we got some big plans and yeah. it's going to be exciting moving forward and seeing you speak on stages and really help other people be in that position. And although you say that you wish you had somebody who was like you, I think mm-hmm. you wouldn't have listened. I don't, I don't think you would have would have listened Pretty to your younger self. You probably mm-hmm. would have been like, nah, I'm, I'm I'm going to figure it out myself. You would have picked up on a couple of different things, but you would have, you know at the end of the day, been like, nah, I want to, I want to find out the hard way. Were there any mentors growing up or maybe public figures or athletes or skiers that you look to and that were kind of that mentor, maybe from a distance, like a virtual mentor to you?
1: Oh yeah, there were actually. So my ski coach, my freestyle coach was a huge mentor to me. My brothers and I are separated by five, six years. And during like probably my maturing times and probably my times where I was the biggest punk because I was good at skiing and had that attitude. It was just... Mm -hmm. With a great athletic abilities come times, you get to be a little a-hole. So I was that guy. And my freestyle coach, who was my mentor. Uh, he was like my big brother away from my big brother's not being around. Uh, he, I would get in situations. I mean, he, even, he taught me how to drive a car. Um, he would just handle, he would basically taught me how to be more mature at a time. Um, another one was my boss at the gas station. He grew up in Buffalo, New York. I was from Jersey. So we kind of had that same kind of attitude. He was fiery. But man, I have to say, if I learned anything from customer service, it was that guy. Never forget it, Doug Brown. Um, that guy, literally everybody loved. It was, it's the most. If you ever go to Incline Village Lake Tahoe, by the way, it's where all the billionaires live. Steve Wynn, Mike Milken, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, PeopleSoft guy, Larry Ellison. They all live in a three square mile radius little town called Incline Village Lake Tahoe. And why? Man, this
0: what's that? Why Utah? No, Tahoe, Lake Tahoe. Tahoe. No, oh, it's Nevada. Okay. Why what's so attractive about that one place?
1: Taxes. Oh. Let me look into <laughs> that really quick. <laughs> taxes, taxes, taxes.
0: Got it. Incline okay.
1: Village Lake Tahoe, Nevada. Taxes, taxes, taxes. Uh, if you look it up, I mean, they, it's called income village. It's the little slogan is the billionaires push out the millionaires. By the way, I didn't grow up with that. I mean, actually I got, my dad is, he was the founder not the founder. He opened up the very first computer land. Mm -hmm. So my dad sold computers when people are like, why don't you need a computer? I've got a typewriter. And my mom is an incredible CPA. So I have very business oriented family. And so a lot, I mean, I've learned from business from them as well, especially my dad, starting up his own company again a a frontier man so to say of computers right so uh but going back to doug this guy was about customer service this guy was literally ingrained at a gas station where people shouldn't give respect but they did he was a five foot seven little badass who was, was built muscular and everybody loved him I will never forget one of the things he said to me. So I had a big attitude going up through high school. I had a great day one day and somebody did something, pissed me off, fired me up. And he comes out to me, and he goes, hey, Brian, didn't you tell me you had like the great day today, you won some competition or something like that? So yeah, good, not good. He goes, so one person is gonna jack up your good day. You have a point, never forget it. But again, that guy was a master customer service. A guy going above and beyond making literally that gas station is the only one in that town now. You have to buy like $10 per gallon gas in this little town hmm. and people pay it and they go there because they know what they're going to get. I'm not sure if he's still there. I think he was supposed to basically his whole ultimate goal was to own the gas station, but I mean, there were little things that that guy, you need your tire change. You just broke your car down on top of Mount Rose during a snowstorm. I'll go get you. I got you.
0: Wow. He did that right there. If you look at the parallel between the way that he handled his business and the gas station, Brian, I don't know if you've ever realized this, but there's a direct parallel between you and how you handle the look. Mm -hmm. So that's brilliant, man. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, honestly, this has been I I say this, it seems like every single interview, because the guests keep getting better and better and better and better. But this has been my favorite interview I've done so far, because you're natural at this. And it's really cool to see that man, like, I'm excited to see what's next. And what you do and all of these other ideas from the podcast to the look and breaking off and having multiple locations to a million of different things. And um, where can people find you? Where can people follow you? And if somebody is in Newport Beach, or in the LA area and wants to work with you or any of your, uh, your other trainers, how do they go about it? Awesome. So at Instagram, you can catch us at the look fitness.
1: You can also follow me at Brian T uh, Brian green real, um, at Instagram. You also have Facebook Brian green real on Facebook. You also have the look fitness on Facebook, Twitter, we're across all the board. You have set up for everything. Um, so if you're in the Newport beach area, we're in the hottest part of Newport beach, right in the peninsula in this beautiful luxury condo complex called the view. You can't miss us. It's literally right across the street from the water and we're on the water. So if you're ready to work out literally on the water and say, Oh my gosh, I'm going to go
0: work out on the water. We're the only place that can say that it's pretty awesome. There we go. So there we go. you guys should definitely check it out. Brian, thank you again for coming on, man. And uh, guys, make sure to go give him a look literally right look fitness give brian a look but um psh, i'm not a comedian for a reason uh, but anyways you've just got done listening to another episode of chase the vision with isaac mashman with a fantastic guest brian green be on the lookout for monologues every single monday and interviews with awesome people like brian every single friday much love